Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of The Expanse, Sweet Media's podcast dedicated to Star Trek Enterprise. I'm Chris Hill, and with me, as always, is Kyle West. Hey, Kyle, why does it smell like we're in a fish market? Do you know, for anyone who has no idea what this book is about, they won't know. <laughs> it smells like we're on a fish market because we are reviewing the novel by the book, which is a Star Trek Enterprise story released in January of 2002, Chris. Before we get started this week, I'd like to remind you all to like, subscribe, and give us that five-star rating on your podcatcher of choice. This week is going to be a fun episode. It's the first in our book club series, as we are covering the Enterprise novels. This is your spoiler warning, as we're about to dive right into By the Book by Dean Wesley Smith and Kristen Kathleen Rush. I'm about to go through pretty much the entire plot, and so I might either ruin the book for you, confirm details for you that you've just read when you've read the book before this show, or I'm saving you a lot of time. <laughs> so let's <laughs> let's get into it. Uh, so, uh, as I said, By the Book was released in January 2002. It was the first original novel released for the show following the novelization of the premiere episode Broken Bow, which had been adapted by Diane Carey. In this story, which takes place not too long after the, after the first season's Strange New World episode, Enterprise finds evidence that the humanoid species has broken the warp barrier. So Archer sees this as a perfect opportunity to make first contact with an alien race, uh, who we come to know as the... Now, how are we pronouncing this, Chris? Is it the Fazzy or the Fatsy? I was pronouncing it sort of like Fazzy with a longer A. Okay, Fazi, Fazi. Okay. So despite Paul stating that she felt more time was ne- needed to be taken to study the species before making contact, especially given Hoshi was struggling to crack their language, Archer visits the planet. The Fazi are very fussy and require things to be done in a certain way and in a certain order. When Archer very quickly messes this up, he angers the Fazi and they all leave. So after this, Archer lets the team do some more research in- on the Fazi to prevent any further issues. Meanwhile, he has Lieutenant Reed investigate the southern hemisphere of the planet, as there's huts and other buildings found there, but they don't really match what they've seen on the land occupied by the Fazi. Very quickly, Reed finds evidence that the planet is occupied by another highly advanced species uh, who choose to live underwater. Following this, uh, Archer... He makes a much better go of his second conversation with the Fazi, but he does then mention this second species and immediately angers the Fazi again, who end their call with him. So he's like naught for two at this point. To try and gather more evidence on the second species, Archer orders a shuttle pod to head to the Southern Hemisphere. Travis Mayweather pilots, and with him is Ensign Cutler, who you may recognise from three episodes of the first season, and another officer. I don't remember that officer's name off the top of my head. Jamel Edwards. That's it, that's the one. Whilst they know they need to be quick on the planet, getting their samples, so not to sort of anger and awaken the sea dwelling aliens, the landing party aren't quite quick enough, and the alien species come out from the water. Cutler gets back to the shuttle in time, but 
Uh, Edwards is not so lucky and soon begins screaming in agony despite the aliens being nowhere near him. Archer orders the shuttle pod to leave the scene and has Edwards beamed up to the Enterprise. Unfortunately, the transporter also locks on to one of the aliens, which the Enterprise crew do not realise until it materialises on the transporter pad, because obviously their transporter is just not at the level that we're familiar with from 200 years later in the 24th century. They easily stun stun the creature, and that's fine. Over time, it's realised that the alien species caused the crewman pain due to their method of communication hurting humanoids. So... It was all an accident. It also turns out that this is why this species, which we find out is called the... Are you call them the Hippon or the Hypon? Yeah, the Hippon. The Hippon, Hippon. have nothing to do with the Fazi, uh, as encounters like millennia earlier had caused a similar issue, which the uh, Hippon had not realised until now was caused by their telepathic signals. And and the Hippon were, had come to the planet. So the, the Fazi are actually the, the, natives, the natives, I guess you could speak, yeah. And then the, uh, the Hippon had come centuries and centuries ago to the planet so archer through some science wizardry is able to communicate with the hippon and all is well they return him to his people and archer agrees not to mention the hippon to the fazi again for fear of altering the future of the planet there's a lot of back and forth on archer feeling this is like the vulcans holding back information from humans so he doesn't really want to do it but so there's some arguments with him and paul anyway all ends well and throughout the entire story cutler mayweather anderson and is it novakovich yeah, Novakovich. From the episode Strange New Worlds. The one who got the leaves in him when he was beamed up to the ship. And they're all just playing an RPG. That's right, an RPG <laughs> throughout the game. And that's the end. That's the book. That's the story. I guess my first question for you, Chris, would be, what's your thoughts on the plot as a whole? They probably could have spent a little bit more time focusing on, or, you know, more than just, you know, revealing, oh, hey, you know, the Hippon arrived and then that's how we got the two different civilizations, I think. But... The plot overall was was a pretty decent first contact story, I thought. I thought the plot was very thin. Yeah. Like, very, very thin. I think I messaged you, because I was reading on Kindle, so I didn't see page counts. I just saw percentage amounts. And I think I said to you ahead of this, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get the book finished in time. I'm like 34% of the way in, and like, and nothing's even happened yet. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so that was that was hard. And and the truth is, the whole the whole book was like that really they they really developed the the species and sort of the characters a little more than they did the plot absolutely and i actually think there are some really interesting things about the plot the idea of two species being on the same planet yeah being sort of played with early on i guess in enterprise's timeline because eventually we'd see that later in enterprise uh, in doctor's orders mm-hmm. i guess it's a little different but we'd see it later with the zindi with the five the five species there yeah. So that was interesting. The idea of have actually having first contact with two different species on the same planet like that, that interests me, and I thought that was that was handled really well. But unfortunately, I just didn't think there was enough plot. Yeah. To sustain the whole story, if it's if this was an episode of TV, forty minutes, then actually there'd be a, there'd be a, a nice amount of a plot there. Yeah. To get just a nice episode out. But, of yeah, it. with the with the first contact bit. To to me, it, it sort of seems like they they had a script lying around, and they're like, "Hey, turn this into a into a book." But like the B plot, and I'm not even sure if it was the B plot. It felt like it was the A plot for most of the book. For the first half, yeah. Yeah, certainly the first half. In this book, guys, the RPG, which is what stands for role playing game. Yes, role playing game. I'm not an RPG guy. I don't know if if you are, Chris. Played a couple of them, and we've actually kind of. The family here have kind of wanted to start one, but we haven't really gotten that far along just with everything that's gone on and every, everything. But I actually really enjoyed the 
the RPG part just because for me that was that was sort of my motivation to get through the the more slower bits. I like the sort of camaraderie between the characters yeah. in those scenes, but honestly, I didn't understand why there was probably like seven or eight chapters in this book that were just them playing the RPG. Mm-hmm. In this book, there are two action sequences in the entire book. Okay, there's the one yeah. on the the one on the um, southern hemisphere when they go down the shuttle pod, and that's only about yeah the action bits. Only really but, two pages, maybe one page. Yeah, and that continues to getting stunned on the transporter. And there's one bit where the alien wakes up in sick bay, and as a result, two of the officers start screaming because of the telepathic signals or the psionic waves, whatever they were calling it, and that was it. In the um, the RPG, there was loads of action mm-hmm. because Crewman Cutler was describing. Right, this is going to happen if you do this, or you know, the RPG general, the way it works. Yeah. And I was like, how has all the action in this book been from a crewman <laughs> describing imaginary action to the rest of the team playing? And I was like, oh my god, what is going on with this book? Like, in a way, that as I said, that was like the A plot actually, and the first contact stuff was B plot. It kind of goes back to to me, you know, thinking that this was, you know, the 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 first contact part was. A script that they were thinking about doing but they were like hey we need to get some tie-in novels put in so figure out something to fill out another couple hundred pages and i think we'll call it a day and so uh, whichever one decided to throw in the rpg that's how they filled it in i'll admit that i thought the rpg stuff did give some of the funniest moments in the book the bits where anderson kept dying yeah and also when they when they started their characters too i think when anderson died the third time <laughs> I was crying. That was actually laugh out loud moment. Yeah. And, and at this point, I was already kind of fed up with the RPG bits. So I kind of just appreciated the moment of the laugh more just because I'd lost faith in those entire that entire storyline. But I was respecting yeah. the fact that it made me laugh uh, as much as it did. Beyond that, I just thought there wasn't much to it. Yeah. And at this point, the Trek books were kind of entering a really strong period. I don't know when the DS9 relaunch... It was, it was right about the same time. Exactly. And you think the quality of those books at the time compared to this... Right. It's, incre- it's amazing to me that this was the first book. I guess it kind of tells me that... And Look, I'm not saying this is a bad book, by the way. I, I actually enjoyed my reading of it. I just mm-hmm. thought it was completely um uneventful but it kind of said to me that what they've done with discovery where they haven't released any books yet that have been well that's a lie they bought out the two more recent ones are more based during the show but before that everything was like prequels and character studies and filling gaps in before and that is better i think than and and then doing post-series books that's better because you just get a bit more from it and you're not right you're not worrying about having to reset the table by the end of it and yeah that just worked more for me i did enjoy the fact though that um, cutler got some focus yes were you surprised that cutler had such heavy focus in the first proper book based on kind of what we saw with with strange two worlds a little bit and i was actually looking up like years ago i kind of looked up sort of like a trek reading order to where you know you could you know watch watch these episodes and then this is where that book takes place and actually it lists by the book after unexpected Okay, yeah. So it's been about two weeks since Strange New Worlds. Yeah, which only really becomes very clear once Novakovic comes along and he's still suffering from the injuries of having the... I mean, that's one of the most iconic moments in Enterprise, I think, when he had the... At that point, the yeah. stuck in his face and it was horrible. I don't know if we ever saw him again on the show, did we? No, I don't think so. So this was the only proof we had that... <laughs> <laughs> he he hadn't just like died. I guess we do. We find later on that obviously no one died on the I think on the NX01 until the Zindi mission. But at the time, right. at the time, you assumed that that guy wasn't going to make it. What were your favorite moments in the book, then, Chris? 
really just Archer kind of eating crow after uh, failing the first contact. Not once, but twice. I didn't know what to make of those. I was trying to remember first season Archer Mm -hmm. when I was reading it, because obviously he's a different beast to... Because I've just done my series rewatch recently, and Archer in the last two seasons, nothing like Archer in the first two. Yeah. And some of it felt right Mm -hmm. with Archer, but some of it just felt like he was being made to look like a bit of an idiot, I thought, during the book. And I thought that was out of character, because Archer had not been presented that way in the first... If we say this is after Unexpected, so the first... It's called Broken Bow, one episode, so within the first four episodes, he'd never been presented that way. I just thought it was a bit a bit out of character for him. And just the... Do you not find that the stuff with him and T'Pol was a little bit out of character for T'Pol as well? It seems like when they wrote in those bits, they'd only seen the pilot. Mm. And I think probably just like the first half, because it was in the, more in the second half where T'Pol and Archer kind of saw where each other was coming from and were able to, to forge the friendship better that way. Um... So this to me seems like they they had you know seen the all the dailies from the first half of filming for Broken Bow, and they thought that that's how the rest of it was going to go without seeing seeing the script or anything like that. It reads like someone who's got the character descriptions in front and of them, and that's about it. They're in an unenviable place where you know it got published in January, so the show had probably released about its first ten episodes, mm-hmm. maybe eleven. They would have finished the book about three months before, probably maybe more. Yeah. So. They probably had seen, yeah, very little was out about the show. Although they did have a crewman Daniels in it, which I took to be Daniels. Our intrepid temporal agent. Yeah, and that's from Cold Front, which I think was maybe the episode that was the mid-season break for Christmas, I can't mm-hmm. remember. So they must have known a little bit ahead. But yeah, I just thought the relationship there was odd. Paula was very antagonistic in a way that she hadn't been, like you said, past the first 45 minutes uh, of Broken right. Bow. So that was interesting. But yeah, I, it was nice to see... Even a version of Archer from the start of season one, wasn't it? As I was telling Heather, like as they were writing most of the main cast, I could I could hear their voices in my head saying saying the words. But with Archer, it was a little bit harder just because at that point, you know, especially since, you know, just did our rewatch for Broken Bow and stuff like that. I had sort of his tones in there and some of it wasn't quite fitting for afterwards. Even the T'Pol being a bit out of character, you still it still sounded like her and Archer yeah Archer definitely didn't really sound like himself and he's the lead so more of it was because the most we hear from Archer really is in the captain's logs that break up Mm -hmm. the that break up the story and jump it ahead a few beats every time and Archer in the in those logs about 90% of them is speaking in a way that we are just not familiar with Archer talking there's a lot of self-doubt yeah and I should have done this and that and he's recording these to go back to (laughs) to high command uh, to Starfleet Command, sorry. So yeah, it made no sense to me. So I, yeah, those... But again, yeah, some of the interactions were fun, like the banter on the bridge. Any other sort of favourite moments that jumped out? Just kind of the way that, that we saw Trip uh, rib Archer pretty much in, entirely after that failed first contact. Trip had a surprisingly small role, didn't he, in this, in yeah. this book? Given that... Even when the show was starting, we knew that Trip was one of the... One of the main three. Yeah. So your RPG bits then, you loved the RPG story. So what was your, your yeah. favorite moments that came out of that? So probably the, the most memorable for me is, you know, right after right after they bring the, the hip on, on board, how they're trying to use it as a distraction and then suddenly it just kind of falls out. 
as soon as they realised that he had escaped from sickbay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My favourite moments, I think my laugh out loud moment that I mentioned the, mm-hmm. during the RPG playing. For as little action as there was in this book, I really loved the bits on the Southern Hemisphere yeah. when they landed. And it's so annoying that there wasn't more like that because that visual of these like almost spider-like creatures coming out of the water, I think there's yeah. four of them or five, and the crew, I imagined in my head just like bad weather and I can't remember what the book detail, but I was imagining very wet weather and here in the ocean see uh, these creatures coming out like almost like a horror movie and i was like oh just give me more of this but the book doesn't give me more of this <laughs> but i really <laughs> i really enjoyed that part and what they did with cutler was really good but i did even at yeah. times i thought at times cutler was out of character to what we knew and also they list her as an ensign when when i think in strange new worlds and also in in dear doctor she's a crewman oh wow if that's if that's true then very well spotted chris <laughs> well done it was a read that was it was like a filler episode, wasn't it? Like, yeah. You watch it, you enjoy it, you'll probably watch it again, but it's not going to go on your top 10 list. Right. You're, not gonna, you're only going to revisit it when you watch the whole series again. You know, you're not going to pick out that by the book episode as one you need to watch again. Is that a fair statement to make? Yeah, yeah. So like if we were doing, you know, a, a keep it or toss it type of list, this would be a toss it because other than, you know, the our main cast being there, nothing else really ties into the rest, rest of the series, at least so far so let's talk about the hippon and the fazzy these were done very well mm-hmm. as you mentioned earlier give me your thoughts on the world building i guess you could say that was done with these guys i like how how they describe huts i guess for lack of a better term at this point down there in the southern continent from afar they seemed like just shoddy put together but when they got the closer look they saw they were more like fairly complex igloo type systems and i just kind of like the way that they described how the the fazzy actually had everything pretty much planted out plot for plot. I think that's kind of what drew drew Reed towards them too, was the, the, the structure part. The Farsi, I didn't really like them too much. They were they, yeah. I thought they were a bit dull in the set, but I think they were designed to be dull. You know, this is it's the problem Archer has with them. Like they're so orderly and so everything's structured and I thought it was a very interesting concept really. But also I didn't understand why this species would have even tried warp flight. Like how do they even get there? I don't know. I, I, that didn't quite mesh for me with what else we found out about them. But I did but I liked the idea. It brought up an interesting point for me, which is that we never really think about like we want to see we want to see starships, Starfleet vessels come yeah. to new planets and we've got a new show called Strange New Worlds. But we don't ever really think about are those worlds ready for us? Why is it that they have to demonstrate warp capability and then it's fine for us to go in there and, and show them that aliens exist? And it just seems like just because you try to go to warp doesn't mean you're ready to, to meet aliens. from. And they weren't. And, and I like that they were... They realize that they are a way of living, uh, even though they're reacting very quickly to Archer made them mad twice. They, they realized that they needed to adapt a little bit to Archer and, and crew because they shouldn't have been expecting them to understand their ways. And I thought that was a very mature and intellectual approach to take. To borrow a phrase from, from the original series, they, they turned out to be a very promising species in that regard. I love this idea that the, the hippod, we obviously never see them on a TV show or anything, they're just right. for the books, but I like this idea that there's so much more to them that we could find out though you know like Mm -hmm. the true origins of them and they've been living under the ocean and i would love to have even seen flashbacks to those first those first encounters with the fazi yeah to show it rather than just be told about it like let's just do a flashback and see it show how horrible it was which caused like what a few thousand years of of not having anything to do with them apart from they basically tell us that the hippon have kind of helped the Farsi along with a few yeah. little advances, but they've never revealed themselves again. But the Farsi do know about the Hippon. We need to be clear that they are aware of them. 
but they have just designed their whole culture around the fear of them because obviously they just saw screaming men and women who'd encountered them. So that's why they get annoyed at Archer bringing them up. That idea that you've got this like monster, what you think is a monster, literally like beneath the surface almost. And you're just trying to live with it. I think that's a really interesting idea. And I, I don't even think the book ever does enough with it no like i say you know well if it was like you know one of the discovery tie-ins it would probably would have expanded more upon it and and we would have gotten seen some of those things absolutely so yeah i but i was a big fan of of both species and uh, it's a shame we never see never never see anything with that moving forward at least on screen <laughs> no, at least on screen we'll see in the books i guess another thing i would ask is writing style you know how did you feel about the style of writing within this this book early on I already kind of kind of used to the whole, you know, one chapter's this, next chapter's that from earlier this year reading A Stitch in Time and a little bit of Drastic Measures is that way as well. So I was kind of used to this sort of sim- similar style from from the beginning. But it's one of those where I think maybe it probably would have been better just being the second book coming out. What would you rather have seen before it? Uh, we'll have to find out. <laughs> and we'll come on to that very shortly. I enjoyed the writing of the book. Yeah, I felt like I was reading an RPG rule book at mm-hmm. one point, but you know, both both writers—I don't know who, which of them thought they needed to put that much of the RPG stuff in. I don't know if they just thought it was playing on this idea again that the, this crew is much closer to right. us, but it was too much, and it, it would have been fine as like an introductory chapter to see what the crew were doing before we go off on our adventure but this was taking over the whole thing i did like the shorter chapters i hate long chapters in books chris i hate it (laughs) yeah i get tired very quickly when i start reading sometimes if i've got a paper book i finish a chapter i'm thinking i am tired how many more pages pages this Uh, is in the next one yeah (laughs) yeah but then when you see it's like 25 pages you're like oh not a chance i'm not even gonna gonna try i'll pick that up again in the morning <laughs> yeah I, I, so i like that about this book this book is very easy to read as well it's mm-hmm. not it is not a difficult read i'm saying that as a positive comment it just was a bit too light on actual content as well yeah i thought it was very interesting that it focused on characters that actually would not get much focus from the show at all travis and hoshi had had big roles in this and really if if it's like like i'm theorizing and it was sort of a, a, a script that they decided not to do just because of well the hip on really then you know it's a shame because that's just another adventure that we don't get with travis and hoshi sort of having a little bit of the limelight i don't know who it was of the current producers of trek who said it but when they were being asked about the discovery books and are they canon because when discovery launched there was a big thing being made about how the new track was going to try and use other media right. to expand the stories in the universe uh, more so than previous so and the books were brought up the fact that kirsten bear would be on the writing team but also involved with the books side of right. she is she is an author and they when they're asked about the canon of them i think it might have been alex kurtzman who said but, you know he said the canon until they're not canon right we will consider these books or stories or comics canon until we come up with an idea in the writing writer's room that clashes with it and they said that we will never not do something from the writer's room because a book's come out about it right i go that with this for me by the book is a part of the the story now mm-hmm. there's nothing in that apart from a little bit about a character moments as we discussed but nothing in it that doesn't fit into the show i don't think it's another story for travis and, and for hoshi i think there was something actually about it which annoyed me, Chris, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna mm-hmm. to say it now. I thought the RPG stuff, right, was building up Anderson and uh, not really Novakovic because he'd really had a yeah. bad experience on TV. But I thought Anderson was being set up to actually die. Why wasn't Anderson the one who 
not that Truman died, the one who Edwards, who's on the planet with yeah. him. But I assumed that like Anderson was being built for that role, and that's why we were getting these RPG scenes to get familiar with him and his importance to Cutler and Travis. And so imagine if it was him that had been on the planet and had this thing happen to him. I think it would have made the, the decision for Travis harder. Absolutely. The decision to follow Archer's orders as opposed to swinging back down and actually grabbing him before heading back up. And make that decision harder for us as well, you know, like as the reader thinking, oh my god, we can't leave him behind. We've been following him for 150 pages or whatever it was. It just felt like none of that was going anywhere. Anderson's come and gone. Mm-hmm. Where was all that going? And that angered me because there's actually a lot of potential in this book and they never jumped in it. But like I said, writing style, I enjoyed it. So, Chris, your final thoughts on By the Book? Like I've said, you know, pretty solid first entry. Just kind of reading it over, not one I would have probably selected for the first one. And as we go along, that could change. Because we could find out that, you know, next one, What Price Honor, probably wouldn't have been any better. Or actually, would have, probably would have been a worse one, which is why they made it second type of thing. But overall, the first Contact story was interesting to kind of see that, and prove that humans are going to stumble in space and that maybe we should listen to the Vulcans every now and again because they might have learned a thing or two. As I've said throughout, I found the book underwhelming. I did read this book when it came out. I had a, I used to have a hard copy of this book. So I will have read this like 18 years ago. I just don't really remember it. Reading it now, it was like brand new to me. But I was underwhelmed just because not much happened. And the RPG stuff really was off put into me. I enjoyed the scenes, like I said, the camaraderie. But I was like, what is this leading to? Where is the plot? Nothing was happening. But it was a very non-offensive or unoffensive, I guess, um, unoffensive story. You know, we only got 98 episodes of Enterprise. We need to cling to books of Enterprise yeah. as, as new stories. And this is like is a bit like finding an episode that you hadn't seen. Yeah. It's fun for that reason. And you get to see the characters behaving in a way that, okay, some were out of character, but even Archer, who was a bit out of character at times, it was still definitely Archer from the start of the show. You yeah. Know, like he, he still had a little bit of that vibe about him. And the other characters do, as you said, like mm-hmm. um, trip his jokes. Even though he's in the background, the whole story, he was still there cracking jokes. And yeah, There'd be a whole bunch of stuff happen. He'd pop in with a joke, then pop back out. Wait, wait for his next, next opportunity. <laughs> Would you recommend this for Enterprise fans? I would. I would definitely recommend it. I as well, guys, would recommend you read it. As long as your expectations aren't too high based on how epic the books are nowadays, if you yeah. read them, go into it with lower expectations. I think you'll very much enjoy enjoy another trip of the crew. So I'm not here next week, no. everyone. It's my first time I'm off. I'm busy with Blast Shield business. So if you haven't heard Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast, I was, I'm busy doing some things for that. We've said that Daniels has taken you away on a temporal assignment. So there you go. So talk to us. We have a special guest. Yes. Brandy Jackal is going to be joining us. Or well, joining me, I should say. We're going to be doing our first writer's room episode. And you, you will notice about the time when we recorded this episode is also about the same time that I was reading the book because we do have a, have certain bits that I've taken from this book and put into the into the episode. If you want to get a primer for what we're going to do, I would recommend watching North Star. All right. Okay. Okay. For anyone listening to this, at the time of recording this, I have not even heard the episode. It's been recorded already. Mm-hmm. It's in the bag. We're out of production order right now <laughs> with episodes. <laughs> it's just the way it happened. So I haven't heard it. So I'm really interested. So can you give us any sort of taste of what to expect next week, Chris? Well, you can expect to meet an ancestor from an original series character. We get a follow-up to North Star. We actually have the Enterprise going back to a planet doing a follow-up unlike they did with Spacey. Is this the first episode of season five or is it like a... This one would probably be more more in the middle. Okay, so it's not a specific order to it. Right. I can't wait. This is going to be good fun then. Brilliant. So 
when we were putting the running order together for this roadmap, as we call it, for this show, mm-hmm. one thing that I quickly suggested was this book, and we hoped it would move on to other books. But it was like a suggestion that we might. Now, Chris, as we were reading this, as you were making some adjustments to the roadmap, you added in the next book, which tells yeah. me that you are also a fan of what we're doing. Yes. So Chris has come up with a system, guys. It could change, but the plan is that every seventh episode, we're going to bring the book club back and we're going to review in publication order the Star Trek Enterprise books. Now, there wasn't a, a whole lot released during no. its run. There's been more released since it finished than whilst it was on the air. But the next one is what... What Price Honor? Yes. Which I think is a Malcolm Reed story, if I remember it. Another one I read a long time ago, and I do not remember at all. So I'm looking forward to that. So there will be details uh, at the end of our all our next episodes coming up about that book. But please get a copy. Join us for it. As I said, these are new episodes almost. If you haven't read them uh-huh. before, and you love Enterprise, and you miss it, then this is a perfect opportunity to see some new adventures. And as I said, they are canon until they're not. The Expanse. A Star Trek Enterprise podcast is produced and hosted by myself, Chris Hill, and Kyle West, and is a part of the Holosuite Media Podcast Network. To keep up to date with all the news and updates from The Expanse, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NX01Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at TheChrisHill, and Kyle on Twitter at KyleThomasWest. To join the Holosuite Media Community Discussion Group, simply type the Nexus into the Facebook search bar, and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening, and until next time, keep shirts on. This show is brought to you by Hollow Sweet Media. Computer. List other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. And she starts swinging it in a ridiculously reckless way. But it's so over the top that I was laughing out loud. It's putting a smile on my face. I know you were laughing I really when you first related saw it. to that moment. <laughs> you know I get over the top. It was, uh, I just think it gives a good idea at her. And the way they cut around it, it's so close in her face. You're like, oh my God, she's crazy. And then we get the moment where she just slices it into his leg. And it's very graphic. It's re- detail. You see the muscle, like the different muscles torn. You can like see the, the Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah, I think you see bone as well. Loading Holosuite preview program for The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. The orangey skin makes me think of something else. Makes you think nowadays. of Donald Trump. <laughs> And, it, and bad hair. Oh my God! He's Kazon. Donald Trump is Kazon. Trump is a Kazon. Oh my God! I'm surprised he's not calling himself Mad Trump. <laughs> because he's not very bright either. No. It fits perfectly. I understand it all now. We've we've just been taken over by the Kazon. And we didn't even realize it. No. Oh my God! <laughs> Listeners, we've just solved the mystery of the last four years in the United States. Loading Hollow Sweet Preview Program for. The Vedic Assembly, a DS9 podcast. What flavor would I Jello that hasn't set yet. <laughs> flavor, he would be orange. You reckon he'd be orange flavored? He'd be orange flavored. Just because he's got orange goo? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, it would be weird if he were a flavor and he were orange colored goo and you tasted it and it was like lime. That would be disconcerting. Be surprised. So, yes. But I say like, like <laughs> bitter orange, you know?
Yeah. Bitter orange Like a blood Odo. orange. Yeah. Blood orange Odo. Yes. Oh, now I would totally eat Odo Let's do now. that. <laughs> Computer, deactivate Holosuite.